Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Sask Egg Today is brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Future Ford is your automotive expert. From sales to service, they're the ones you can trust to get you rolling again sooner. Sask Egg Today with Doug Faulkner. Good afternoon and welcome to Saskag Today. Coming up on today's program, in spite of recent rain, Saskatchewan farmers continue to make good harvest progress. We'll hear from Mackenzie Ladoon, a crops extension specialist with the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture, and she'll have all the details of the latest Saskatchewan crop report. The Canadian Agri-Food Trade Alliance is applauding the federal government for opposing Mexico's biotech corn ban. We'll hear from their executive director, Michael Harvey. The Yorkton Brick Mill Heritage Society has received a major financial boost from the federal government. Capital Campaign Chair Terry Tyson will join us on the program today about that. And of course, week three of the harvest edition of GX94 Supper in the Field took us to the Grenfell area last night. I'll speak with our winner, Orrin Knox. All of those stories and much more coming up on today's edition of GX on Agriculture, otherwise known as SaskAg Today. But first, it's time for the agriculture weather, and that's a presentation of Milligan Bio. Milligan Bio now offers bio meal for your livestock, giving your animals more protein, more energy, and more of what they need. It's also brought to you by Sean Prahitka, your Remax Blue Chip Ag Division Specialist. Good afternoon. Welcome back to SaskAg Today. In spite of recent rains, Saskatchewan farmers continue to make good harvest progress, according to this week's crop report. Mackenzie Ladoon is a crops extension specialist with the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture. Producers are in full swing of harvest with 33% of the crop off. This is up from 21% from last week and ahead of the five-year average of 23% and the 10-year average of 20%. She notes some areas are further along than others. The southwest has crossed the halfway point this week and is now 60% completed harvest. The west central is close to the halfway point with 39% of the crop off for the year. With some moisture moving into the area this week, the northwest had to pause combining for a few days and is now 8% completed. The east-central region stands at 19% complete, ahead of the five-year average of 15%. Ladoon tells us which crops are being taken off right now. Really all crop types are starting to reach maturity in the province and allowing producers to make progress in all crops this week. Fall cereals are nearing completion with 96% of fall rye and 89% of winter wheat in the bin for the year. Lentils and field peas are leading the way in spring-seeded crops with 80% of each crop harvested so far. Mustards made significant progress this week with 55% of the crop harvested. This is ahead of other oil seeds, including canola, which is at 10%, and flax, which is at 7%. Producers are currently focusing on getting their spring cereals harvested with 48% of durum, 46% of barley, 26% of spring wheat, and 19% of oats harvested. 60% of triticale has already been harvested, with 56% being used for feed. 
She adds some areas of the province received significant amounts of rain last week. The east side of the province generally received the moisture this week, with the Bankan area receiving 50 millimeters and the Tisdale area receiving 34 millimeters. Cropland topsoil moisture ratings are improving as recent rains seep into the ground. Currently, cropland is 32% adequate for moisture, 43% short, and 24% very short. Hay and pastureland is 22% adequate for moisture, 49% short, and 29% very short. Ladoon notes there was some crop damage reported as well. Crop damage this week is includes environmental damage such as some hail reports, wind damage, drought, and localized flooding. Damage from grasshoppers and gophers continue to persist as well. And geese have returned to the northern fields and are causing some damage to standing crops and also swathing crops. Producers are very busy this week combining, desiccating, and marketing grain, while others are marketing cattle, hauling water, and feed. Some producers have also started to move cattle home for the winter. If producers have questions about feed, they're encouraged to call their local regional specialist. And she's once again asking everyone to be careful during this harvest season. Absolutely. Harvest is a very busy and stressful time for producers, and they're reminded to take safety cautions in all the work that they do. This includes being careful around power lines and also having their fire mitigation resources at the ready because the risk of fire this year is escalated. You can reduce your risk of fire by having your water tankers at the ready, any discers in the field, and also blowing up your combines at the end of the night. Being safe also includes mental health, which includes having the farm stress line available to producers to call whenever they feel the need to. There's also a reminder to the public to take extra caution and leave extra time and space when encountering machinery on the roadways. Mackenzie Ladoon compiles the weekly crop report for the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture. It's time now for the Ag Review portion of our program, and that's a presentation of New Era Ag Technologies in Swan River. ITX 94, Ag Review. Any fanfare from the long-awaited production estimates from Statistics Canada released on Tuesday was gone by the next day. Ice canola futures initially jumped by double digits that morning, but throughout that session the gains faded. By the end of Wednesday's session, canola was down. Heading into those model-based principal field crop estimates, the average trade guess was at 17.4 million metric tons of canola for 2023-24. The StatsCan report came in a little bit higher at 17.56 million metric tons. Nevertheless, canola production this year will be well below the 18.7 million metric tons from 2022-23. Harvest pressure was already being felt in the canola market despite the harvest being barely underway, but a good portion of prairie canola has been swathed. Prolonged drought and record heat are threatening soybean yields in several key growing states across the Midwest United States, with most of the soybean crops still in the critical pod-setting phase that depends on moisture in August. Persistent dry conditions are lowering yield projections and raising concerns about the availability of supplies. Scouts participating in the recent pro-farmer crop tour found sporadic and highly variable yields for both corn and soybeans, especially across the western corn belt. Record high temperatures and dry conditions in August have negatively impacted both crops. At this stage of the growing season, yield loss due to ongoing heat stress is a much greater risk for soybeans than for corn. Pasta lovers must brace to pay even higher prices for their favorite dish 
as drought in Canada and bad weather in Europe damages crops of Durham wheat and reduces supplies available to flour millers and food companies. Italy's government called a crisis meeting in May as prices for Durham jumped by more than double the national inflation rate. With global production of Durham wheat headed for a 22-year low, Italy's famed pasta makers have had to turn to unusual suppliers such as Turkey for their main ingredient. Retail pasta prices rose about 12% this year in Europe and 8% in the United States, according to market research firm Nielsen. The International Grains Council forecasts 2023-24 global Durham production at a 22-year low, pushing world stocks to their smallest in three decades. Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov and his Turkish counterpart will discuss a proposal by Moscow for an alternative to the Black Sea grain deal when they meet this week. Under the plan, Russia would send a million tons of grain to Turkey at a discounted price, with financial support from Qatar, to be processed in Turkey and sent to countries most in need. Last month, Russia pulled out from the year-old deal, brokered by Turkey and the United Nations, that had enabled Ukraine to export grain from its Black Sea ports despite the war. Russia says it quit the deal because too little of the grain was getting to the poorest countries and because it still faces obstacles to the export of its own grain and fertilizer, given that Western sanctions affect payments, insurance, and port access. Orange juice prices at the Intercontinental Exchange rose more than 3% on Wednesday, heading back towards an all-time high hit earlier this month, as Storm Idalia slammed parts of Maine U.S. orange producer Florida. Florida's orange crop this year was already on the way to being small, only around half the size it produced just two years ago due to diseases and erratic weather. The hurricane will exacerbate the situation. Fields in Florida were still recovering from the impact of Hurricane Ian in 2019, while also suffering from a bacterial disease known as greening. Authorities in Florida have yet to evaluate damage to infrastructure and agricultural production as the storm moved over to Georgia. And be sure to listen to the latest SaskAg Today podcast. It's brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Please stay tuned. SaskAg Today will continue in 90 seconds time. Future Ford has been serving the Melville area for over 30 years. They focus on the future. Their staff are ready for what's to come. Ford Tech is changing all the time with new vehicle technology like EV, self-driving, and more. Get ready to drive into the future. Why? Because the future is Future Ford. Come. Welcome back to SaskAg Today. I'm Doug Falconer. It's overcast and 19 degrees in the Yorkton-Melville region. I'll have your complete weather details coming up at the top of the hour. The Canadian Agri-Food Trade Alliance is applauding the federal government for opposing Mexico's biotech corn ban. Back in February, Mexico announced it's banning the use of genetically modified corn in tortillas and dough by gradually substituting the use of biotech corn in all products used for human consumption or animal feed. Canada will step in as a third party in the dispute settlement panel proceedings, which the U.S. is challenging Mexico's ban. 
The executive director of the Canadian Agri-Food Trade Alliance, Michael Harvey, says they want Mexico to adhere to the rules of the free trade agreement. What we're saying is that the parties to the Canada-U.S.-Mexico free trade agreement, which in this case is uh, the Mexican government, has to ensure that when it does any regulatory measures, that they have to respect their obligations under the agreement. And one of the key obligations they have under the agreement is that any sanitary and phytosanitary measures that they take have to be based on scientific risk-based principles. So our view is that they haven't done so in this case, so we're happy that the government of Canada is supporting the, the U.S. complaint against Mexico. Harvey is glad the federal government is committed to an open and fair international trading environment for agriculture and agri-food. And we think that the economy is going to grow through getting better access to international markets. And in this specific case, international markets aren't being fully open because of this restriction that the Mexican government has placed. But he says the dispute will take a long time to settle. Oh, you can expect something like this to take a couple of years. Um, so it's not an immediate thing like an injunction or something like that. But uh, it is something that hopefully will solve the dispute for a long period of time. Harvey says the United States has a great interest in this case because they're a bigger exporter of corn to Mexico than Canada is in 2022. The U.S. exported about $5 billion worth of corn and about $22 billion in other agricultural goods to Mexico. It's time now for the livestock market conditions and their presentation of Heartland Livestock in Yorkton. Livestock market conditions. U.S. live cattle futures for October closed at 180.82, that's up 77. December live cattle closed at 184.80, up 57. September feeder cattle closed at 253.27, up 65. October feeder cattle closed at 256.02, up 80. October lean hogs closed at 82.55, down 105. December lean hogs closed at 74.32, down 77. And that's the livestock market conditions. Now it's time for the Heartland Livestock Report from Yorkton. Good afternoon. This is Yorkton Heartland Livestock Market Report for the week of August the 30th. What a fun and entertaining day we had. It was full of excitement, I would say. 425,000 bulls, a whopping 2,040 in our pre-search for a total of 2,465 for the day. This cow and bull market can continue selling steady to stronger in some places. D1, D2 cows, 140 to 150, sales to 153, 154, D3 cows, 130 to 140. Older type, weaker, thinner, blemish cows, 85 to a dollar. Cows are averaging 142 from that, our Melville area here. 1,600 pound cows topped out at 155. Good bulls, 153 to 163, sales to 180, 181. Bulls are averaging 164. From that good Sheho area, 2,100-pound bull topped out at 182.25. A nice job there. If you got cull cows and bulls to move, this is the time to sell them. This market is quite attractive. On to the pre-sort sale. This market is very hot. On the steer side, listen up. 425-pound tan steers at 490. 500-pound black steers, 440. 
575 pound steers, 408, and 650 pound steers at 380. On to the yearling steers. They're selling well right now. 650 pound yearling steers at 370. 750 pound yearling steers, there was 77 in this package. They topped out at 349. 850 pound yearling steers, there was 58 in this package, and they topped out at 333. 950 pound steers, 314, and 1,050 pound steers at 285. On the heifer side, 400 pound heifers, 388. 500 pounders, 324. 575 pound heifers at 316. On to the yearling heifers. 650-pound yearling heifers, there was 117 in this group. They topped out at 331. 750-pound yearling heifers, there was a whopping 174 heifers. They topped out at 310. And 850-pound yearling heifers, there was 116 in this group. They sold for $3. 950-pound heifers, 289. And 1,050-pound heifers at 251. A good sale day was had by all. Next week, September the 6th, only a regular sale due to the holiday Monday. Our next pre-sort is Wednesday, September the 13th. A thousand head consigned so far. That's it for this week at Heartland Yorkton. Enjoy the long weekend, everyone. I'm Harvey Exner. Have a good day. Welcome back to Saskag Today. The Yorkton Brick Mill Heritage Society has received a major financial boost from the federal government. Capital Campaign Chair Terry Tyson has the details. We got some wonderful news from uh, the uh, Federal uh, Department of Heritage, and uh, they came through with a $500,000 contribution to the uh, uh, interpretive station project that we're working on at the at the flour mill site. He explains what the interpretive station will be. The interpretive station at the mill is it's it's an addition to the mill itself. Uh, designed in the style of a, uh, a historic uh, railway station, so the aesthetics kind of fit with the, with the heritage theme. The addition will house an event center, kind of a medium-sized event center, and some meeting space um, available to things like service groups and, and uh, smaller groups and that kind of thing. Mid-sized events, maybe 120, 130 type people, gatherings, weddings, uh, those types of things. And it will also house an interpretive center in the main entrance area that is really designed to connect people to agriculture, agriculture and agri-food and uh, those those industries that are our area, our city for sure, and our area at large is kind of built around. Tyson says the funding will allow them to begin construction on the interpretive station before the year is out. It, it really is a game changer. We, we have uh, for some time been, uh, been, been hoping to access some federal funding. We felt that if we were going to get across the line we were going to need it frankly and and uh, this is exactly kind of what the doctor ordered so yes we are at a point with our fundraising we aren't quite done yet done done but we're close and we're close enough to get started so uh, we are planning to start construction yet this fall uh, we're going to have a sod turning to kind of uh, mark the occasion uh, on Friday, September 15th at the mill site, and uh, and uh, we should uh, begin construction shortly thereafter. The construction was uh, awarded to NL Construction here in Yorkton, so we're excited to move forward with them. He says their fundraising efforts have been successful so far 
It's going well. Of course, this is this is a real uh, whole bunch of wind in the sails. We've made several announcements along the way. We had some really great support from Yorkton and area's business community and the city of Yorkton and, and all of that. This contribution from the federal government puts us at, uh, uh, we're still about 300,000 short, but we do have sort of, uh, call it some promising irons in the fire and uh, and some other additional plans. We, we are very confident that we're going to uh, re- reach the goal. Tyson adds the historic flour mill is very unique. Well, it is the only remaining heritage mill of brick construction in uh, in the province, and as far as we know, in Western Canada. So, the, the, you know, the, there there was a time when when many towns had a had an old mill somewhere in them. Not all that many of them stand anymore, uh, and ours is the only one of brick construction. And, and those bricks were actually forged uh, right uh, right here in Yorkton uh, by the by the fellow who built the the, the facility. So is, uh, that's kind of what sets it apart. I, I should mention that kind of the the pivot towards this project occurred once the the Brick Mill Heritage Society had gotten to the finish line in terms of restoring the mill. So the brick mill itself is fully restored and renovated and open to public tours now and and those types of things. So uh, once that was complete, the the vision uh, changed to to you know to today's vision of of the interpretive station at the at the mill. He notes they've put a lot of work into the grounds of the flour mill as well. You know again uh, some some wonderful support from from the community and uh, from various elements of government as well, and um, so we've we've been able to beautify uh, the grounds a, a great deal. We host the uh, the wheat uh, plot tours for the crops of the park, parkland on site, and of course we uh, we uh, are the new home of of the sundial that was in uh, in Yorkton uh, city center and park there. And Tyson hopes the mill will help the public better understand the agriculture industry. You know, the distance, the, the growing distance between society and the farm, and and our, our hope to just be one more voice trying to, trying to bridge that gap and, and build connections and trust between agriculture and agri-food and the general public. Terry Tyson is the Capital Campaign Chair of the Yorkton Brick Mill Heritage Society. They've just received $500,000 in federal funding to help build an interpretive station at the mill. Please stay tuned. Your commodities update is coming up next. Commodities Update. Canola futures closed down across the board today. November canola closed at 8.0870, that's down 50 cents. January canola closed at 8.1390, down 90 cents. September Minneapolis wheat closed at 7.35 per bushel, down 13 and three quarters of a cent. September Kansas City wheat closed at 7.26 and a half, up seven and a quarter cents. September Chicago wheat closed at 573 per bushel, down three and three quarters of a cent. 
September corn closed at 461 per bushel, down three quarters of a cent. September soybeans closed at 1360 per bushel, down 21 and a quarter cents. September oats closed at 469 and a half, down five and a quarter cents. And that's the commodities update. The Russian invasion of Ukraine is having a major impact on agricultural production in eastern and southern regions of that country. Reuters correspondent Rod Nickel was in Ukraine for three weeks this winter, talking to farmers facing enormous day-to-day -day struggles. He notes Ukrainian farmers are exempt from military service. There is some of that. Um, I don't know all the, the details of it, but um, there are certain kind of enterprises that I think, you know, you have to apply to the government and, and get that exemption. But I don't think it was uniformly applied, put it that way. Like, I think that everyone was kind of struggling with loss of labor because some um, soldiers volunteered, perhaps, and, and wanted to go to the front lines, and some you know, men perhaps even left the country itself. So the labor force is another large issue for Ukraine going forward. Not just loss of farm labor, but just loss of, of young people in general. Um, so many people, so many millions of people, mainly women and children, have left the country that Ukraine has a very big challenge ahead of it economically, for sure. Nichols says Ukrainian farmers are taking the conflict one day at a time. I think that's exactly it. Yeah, I, I saw a lot of determination, like a lot of suffering and pain that people are going through, but just a lot of determination to just do the task in front of you, as you say. Um, keep going, get through this day, and, and hope that things um, start to turn for the better. He was also struck by the similarities between Canadian and Ukrainian farmland. I was just struck by how, in some ways, it's so much like the Canadian prairies. I remember driving from uh, Kiev to Odessa. It's kind of right down the, the middle of, of Ukraine, and it's, you know, it's fertile farmland. It's fairly flat. I'm thinking, like, this could be driving from Saskatoon to Regina, for example. It, it's very similar. A lot of the other part of the country is forested, but, but the farm areas look very much like the Canadian prairies. The farmers there, maybe farmers are farmers everywhere. I'm not sure, but they reminded me a lot of Canadian farmers. They're very determined hopeful despite everything they're going through and you know it was just a real eye-opener to learn more about their stories. Nichols says Reuters will continue to cover farming in Ukraine while the war drags on. Absolutely yeah we have good reporters on the ground there as well and, and agriculture and food will continue to be a, a very big part of the story about um, war in Ukraine for sure. He says planning for his trip to Ukraine was a lot of work. So much planning, yeah. When you do journalism in a war zone or in a disaster zone, like I, I think of it as, you know, 60% of the job is actually logistics and planning and 40% and is the actual nuts and bolts of, of reporting. Very different from doing that job in Canada. So absolutely, like everywhere you go, it's kind of planned out and approved or not approved. You've got to think about your power supply, but how you're going to stay in touch. Um, I had two different SIM cards that I would keep putting into my phone differently just to, to try to have good communications wherever I went in the country. So all kinds of things like that, food, water, when you're out in the field, you have to make sure that those things are all, you know, well planned out ahead of time. But Nichols says he had a lot of help. 
Yeah, absolutely. It was very much a team effort when you're reporting in a place like Ukraine. So I traveled with five or six other people, all with Reuters. One of them, as you mentioned, is a, a fixer. So he was a local person who speaks the language, who knows cultural things that aren't um, readily apparent to us, knows a little bit more about where to go and, and where the you know different things are. We also had um, drivers with us who were trained in security and, and making good decisions about um, moving around it, as well as, you know, a visuals team. So very much a team effort. And, and that's part of the reason that's part of the reward of the whole thing is just uh, working together. And he says it wasn't his first time in a war zone. I've reported a few times in Afghanistan, uh, but this was the first time I was in Ukraine. Rod Nickel is a Winnipeg-based senior correspondent with Reuters. He spent three weeks last winter in war-torn Ukraine. Please stay tuned. We'll hear from our GX94 Supper in the Field winner coming up next. It's Welcome back to Saskank Today. I'm Doug Falconer. Week three of the Harvest Edition of GX94 Supper in the Field took us to the Orrin Knox Farm near Grenfell last night. After supper, I spoke with Orrin about their farm. I've been farming since I graduated high school, which is about 2019. And uh, how much land do you guys farm out here? We farm 6,000 acres. How many people do you have working for you out here? Uh, there's me, my dad, my two brothers. Uh, he, one brother wasn't here tonight. He's in welding school. And uh, we have two hired guys that help us. And what did you seed this year? We seeded some peas, wheat, barley, and canola. Have you been uh, doing any harvesting so far then? Yeah, we're about 30% done. And how is it running? Uh, it's, yeah, I can't complain, I guess, considering how dry it's been all summer. So there's plenty of people worse off. And uh, where do you end up hauling most of your crop when it's uh, in the bin? Uh, we haul some of it to uh, Richardson Pioneer and Whitewood, some of it to uh, Viterra and Grenfell, then there's also Patterson and Grenfell we haul a little bit too. Okay. So do you keep a pretty close eye on the markets to see what, sh- what you're going to plant each year? I kind of let my dad just look after that. <laughs> he pays the bills. <laughs> okay. And so what did you think when I called you to tell you you'd won supper in the field? I couldn't believe it. I never thought in a million years I'd win. <laughs> and what did you think of the meal and everything that went with it? Well, it was really good. It was perfect. Everybody seems happy and full. And uh, you would recommend to other people to maybe enter next week? Oh, 100%. And you're planning on going back out yet tonight, perhaps? Well, I see it's raining a little bit right now. I Hopefully we can get back out there if it doesn't last too long. For the evening, you're pretty happy with how everything went? Yeah, I am. I'd like to thank all the sponsors and you guys at GX94 for bringing it out. It was, it was really good. That's Oren Knox from the Grenfell District. Our sponsors for GX94 Supper in the Field are Jump.ca, Maple Ag and Outdoor, Farm Credit Canada, Milligan Bio, Gowan Canada, Sask Milk, LDC, Smith Steel, Minute Muffler and Brake, Yorkton Auction Centre, the Saskatchewan Institute of Agrologists, the Chalet Restaurant, and Razor Cellar at the Yorkton Hotel. It's now coming up on 1 o'clock in Saskatchewan, 2 o'clock in Manitoba, time to check the GX94 precision weather forecast. For the Quill Lakes, Hudson Bay, Swan River, Broadview, Mooseman, Indian Head, and Yorkton, Melville, Roblin, Russell regions today. Partly sunny with a 40% chance of isolated showers and thunderstorms. 
Winds southeast becoming west-northwest at 10 to 20 and a high of 23 degrees. For tonight, partly cloudy. Winds west-northwest at 10 to 20, a high of 14. For tomorrow, sunny. Winds northwest at 15 to 30, a high of 26, an overnight low of 16. For Saturday, mainly sunny. Winds west-southwest at 20 to 35, gusting higher at times, and a high of 30. For Sunday, mainly sunny, a high of 29, and Monday, partly sunny, with a 30% chance of showers, a high of 21. In the Paw and Brandon, it's 22 degrees, Swan River is at 17, Dauphin 21, Show Lake Russell 20, Roblin 16. Regina is at 22 degrees, Saskatoon 14, Hudson Bay 17, Broadview Musuman 19, Indian Head 16, Winyard Wadena Kelvington 21. The Yorkton Melville region has an overcast sky, calm conditions, 87% is the relative humidity, the temperature is 19 degrees. That's your agriculture weather and that'll do it for SaskAg today for today. Be sure to tune in again tomorrow at 12.15 Saskatchewan time for another edition of the program. It's time now for the news and sports headlines. SaskAg Today has been brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Future Ford is your automotive expert. From sales to service, they're the ones you can trust to get you rolling again sooner.